Howdy. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Leela Radio Podcast. Leela Radio Podcast is where it's a place where we take uh, little pea pods and we cast them in plaster. And I, by we, I mean myself and the, the people inside of my mind who've taken up residence here. Uh, so we all do these plaster casts of pea pods and we set them on my bookshelf and I visualize different colors to be overlaying their plaster bodies. And when I see them in these colors, one of them will inspire a story. And I'll take that story into my mind and I'll run it through my mind and then push it out of my mouth. And it, what comes out is a sort of improvised story. And it's starting already. I can, I can feel it. Can you... Can you... Can you feel it? Can you, can you feel, feel it? it? Can you, like, feel it inside of you, in your bones, in your muscle, in your heart? Good. Okay. So this is uh, Leela Radio, episode number eight. You can find Leela Radio on my site, benjohnmiller.com. B-E-N-J-O-N-M-I-L-L-E-R.C-O-M. Or you can also find it on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Cool. Huh. Alright, and this episode, uh, will, well, it's improvised in the future. It doesn't exist yet. Uh, so the title is hard to say, but I think it'll probably be called The Fartist. And I know there are some other fartists out there in the world, but this fartist of this episode is an artist who paints with their shit upon the canvas of their bed sheets while they sleep. And in this episode, uh, the fartist will be interviewed. And we will all get to glean a glimpse into her world. How she makes her art. Why she makes it. And we'll also get to hear about the alchemical transformative effect that it has upon its viewers. So, uh, you know, put on your hat. Saddle up to that pony. And uh, grab your lasso and let's prance off into the wilderness of absurdist storytelling. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for hearing all these words. Putting them in your head. Here we go. Goodbye and hello to the fartist. Oh, mm-hmm.
Just a moment, folks. We're almost there. We're just getting some things in place. Hold your horses. For the sake of Pete, and also for the sake of yourself and your horse, hold it just a little longer. Or fast forward to the story that is starting now. And now in this moment, I'm saying goodbye to Ben John Miller. Goodbye. You may also take this opportunity to say goodbye to yourself. Or at least the pre-constructed identity self that you call by your name, whatever that is. You can say goodbye, insert name here. And let that little person, that little identity float off. And let us all say warmly, Hello! Hello, Meredith. Your mother and father, when you came out of one of their bodies, decided to give you the name Meredith von Steuben. But most of the world does not know you as Meredith von Steuben. Most of the world knows you as the Fartist. Could you tell us a little bit of your origin story? How did you become the Fartist? Well, Tom, I'm so glad you asked. I feel really lucky to be given this life. I'm really blessed to have the privilege to live a life as a human who is also a fartist. And I suppose we'll get to my art in a little bit, but I'll tell you, uh, as per your request, how things got rolling as a fartist. You see, uh, when I was a little girl, I was about six years old, To all of you who know tarot, you'll know that 6 or 16 is the number that comes after the devil who is 15. So, you know, 6 is that age in your life where, like, you've met the devil and he opened up some doors for you. And uh, that's the devil is number 15. So number 6, when you're 6 years old, that's like what you do with yourself after you've seen all those things that the devil showed you. And what I did with myself was I, uh, I went to bed, as most folks do every night if you have the gift of a soft thing to put your body on horizontally. And I woke up to my mom hissing and slobbering and shake, shake. Shake, shake, shaking, shaking on the floor. She was shaking on the floor. It was epilepsy, but it was the first time and the last time that she had ever had an epileptic fit. And of course, at the age of six, I didn't know about epilepsy. I didn't know that people could just fall on the floor, stop talking, and start shaking. But that's what I saw when I woke up at three in the morning. As a six-year-old gal, 
I saw my mom on the floor trembling. At that moment, she couldn't talk, but later, I would discover the reason, the cause of her shaking. She had come into my room because she had herself been woken up by thunderous flatulence that had exited my bottom while I slept in my bed. Concerned by the high decibel level of my toots, she came into my bedroom and as soon as she entered the bedroom, she saw that my bed sheets had been covered, painted by free roaming streaks of poopy. I had pooped my bed. I still slept. And when she saw the arrangement, the divine composition of fecal matter stretched across my white bed sheet, something inside of her was triggered. Something was activated. Something was woken up. Up, up, up to the sky. To the sky of consciousness from subconscious to the sky of consciousness. And that's when she fell down on the floor and she started shaking because something that she had seen in the brown streaks of the bed she had triggered morsels of emotion and thought and memory that had been concealed within her subconscious mind for years. And all these morsels that had been concealed in her subconscious came rising into the forefront of her conscious awareness. You could say it was a moment of visceral awakening and realization within her mind. And, but it didn't come gradually, which is how those things usually tend to happen in life. In this moment, when she saw the shit on my sheets, the unpacking of subconscious data within her mind was immediate, rapid, instantaneous. Difficult to process, in other words, which is why her body in response to this awakening began shaking. Later, when she came to and she saw those previously repressed morsels of life experience now is sitting in the forefront of her consciousness then she would process them, and they would provoke changes in her life. She came to see that the cause of her challenges, the cause of most of her suffering that she'd known for all of her life, her depression and her rage, all of these pains had their root in her. 
but she had not seen their route until this moment. She divorced my father. She bought a sailboat. She burned all of her clothes in our backyard next to my treehouse. She bought one pink dress. And she wore that dress. And she mounted her new sailboat and sailed into the Pacific Ocean. To begin her new life as her authentic self. And this change, this motion of new events and transformation had been caused, had been provoked by the sight of my shit-stained sheets. So you're saying that uh, you uh, you started your work as a fartist when you were six years old? Well, that's technically when the work started, but I didn't see it as work at that time. Uh, I still don't even see it as work now, but I make, you know, I make a living off of it. I make money off of what my poo does when I sleep, so you could say it's work. But it don't feel like work. It ain't that great. Sounds pretty lovely. Uh, so, Meredith, how... What happened? How did you make the bridge from that six-year-old girl to the professional fartist that you are today? Well, that uh, that night where my when my mom came in and saw my sheets, that was the first moment where I, that was my first uh, poop painting, really, and uh, it continued to happen from there on out. And I, uh, you know, once, twice a week, give or take, I would uh, empty my bowels voraciously into my bed sheets while I slept. And uh, when folks saw it, things happened inside of them. Changes dropped into the ponds of their mind. New waters were injected into their consciousness, and they could not help but make transformative creative changes to their life based on what they had seen in my shit. My mother was off sailing in her pink dress in the Pacific Ocean, and my father uh, was left to take care of me, and... He prefers that I don't talk about the changes my shit caused him to make. But uh, suffice it to say, they were transformative enough that they were also disruptive. So he... He would change my sheets. But after two or three occasions of seeing the poo stains and facing the changes they forced him to make, uh, he would no longer look at the sheets every time he changed them. And this went on for years. My father and I lived our lives. Normally as most folks do, with the exception that my sheets were changed and cleaned on a more frequent basis than others. 
And then I grew, and I became a woman. I moved out of the house. I had roommates. These roommates saw my sheets. They saw the abstract swirls of feces. And when they saw those sheets, they too were compelled to make changes in their life. Just as my mother had and just as my father had. They too were awoken to the long repressed contents of their subconscious minds. They too saw that the root of most of their anguish lay in their previously unseen emotional and mental patterns which they had accrued throughout their life. How do we get these patterns that warp our authenticity? We meet people early in life called mother and father. They are our guardians and we want their love. We want their affection and protection. And each person has different conditions that must be met in order for them to more easily give love and affection. This applies to fathers and mothers. So you got your father and you got your mother and they, uh, they like it when their child does these things and they don't like it when their child does those other things that we shouldn't do. So you develop these patterns. Repress aspects of your true self so that you might find the love of your mother and your father and the other people in the world. All those people in the world who want to say I love you to you. When you do the things that you do, when you do what you think you should do. It's a process of denying yourself. And when you do that for so many years as we all do as human beings, stuff gets stuffed down deep into your mind. It gets stuffed down in your mind, but it comes out as all of the problems and obstacles you face in your life. And you think, why the hell is all of this shit happening to me? You see the same thing happening to you over and over, and you think, why does this happen to me all the time? Why not? This is always happening to me. And it seems like it's happening to you as an experience given to you from the outside, but really it is an experience created from the contents of your conscious and subconscious mind. And all the things that have been repressed are trying to get out, get out of your burial mound in your head. They're trying to get out to be seen, and if you don't see them, these things are gonna have to raise a ruckus. They're gonna have to be loud, they might even give you pain just to get your attention. 
They want you to see them. They want you to acknowledge them, and they want you to hear the message they've got to give, which is usually something along the lines of change. Grow. Create. Be. Be yourself. Even though it's painful or uncomfortable to try, try it anyway. Just give it a little shot and see what you can do. And, uh, okay, Meredith, how could, let's bring this back to your art. How does all that relate to your paintings? What do your paintings do exactly? I'll describe how I make them nowadays, and then uh, I'll tell you what they do for people. So the process uh, nowadays is I, uh, I always have multiple cabinets full of bleached white sheets. And when I go to bed, I sleep with one set of these sheets, and uh, oftentimes when I wake up, I'll wake up to another uh, fecal composition, a painting made of my own bodily waste, and I'll uh, stretch these sheets onto stretcher bars, as one would stretch a canvas, and I present these works as paintings. Some have suggested that I do something about the smell, but I think I have chosen not to do anything about the smell. I have chosen to do what I can to maintain the smell because I think it is the smell as well as the visual aspect of these works that allows them to have such an enormous effect upon the viewer and their life. And, uh, what exactly is that effect? Well, uh, so my, my paintings, they go off to museums, as art does, and, uh, people see them. They're given a warning before they see them. Uh, but what happens is they, they see the canvas of my shit and the abstract streaks. It doesn't look like anything. It looks like a mess, to be honest. And it looks pretty ugly. But when people see these, it triggers something inside of them. Uh, what does it trigger? It triggers a realization of how the contents and direction of their consciousness throughout their life and in this very moment. It's an awareness of how their consciousness creates their experience of their reality. And when they see my paintings, for some reason unknown, they have an instantaneous understanding of how they have created the experiences in their life and why they have created the experiences that they have created in their life. And it's like a bomb going off in their mind. 
And in that moment, they realize which choices they've made that are unnecessary and untrue to themselves, and they realize what they could do to support themselves, to transform themselves, to recreate themselves, and to reconnect with the internal guidance system we all have that leads us along the path that is precisely meant for us. Sometimes we are on this path already. When we are on the path, we recognize it through inspiration, creativity, hope, and growth, and dreams, and synchronicity, connecting with ourselves and those around us, and an overall feeling of goodness. When we stray from the path of our authentic self, we are met with pain, more pain than just the usual pain of life. All pain we meet will be amplified. All struggles will be harder than they really need to be when we are off of our path. Why do we have increased pain when we are off of our path, when we are denying ourselves our true nature? This is because the pain is a sign. It's a sign that comes to you to say, Hey, hey, pal. Your path is way over there, but you're off here in the bushes and you're scratching your genitals with a stick. Why do you do that? Genitals are soft and tender. They aren't made to be scratched by harsh things like sticks. Unless, of course, you drive a... Uh, pleasure from that, then alright, more power to you, but in most cases, uh, that's not what you want to do. So we're going to give you all this pain, and we're going to squeeze some blood out of your genitals, and because uh, we want to get your attention. We want to let you know that something is not right, and uh, you can, uh, you know, steer things around. Anyway, that's what my paintings do, and when people see my paintings and they have that uh, recognition of themselves and their capacity to automatically create and direct their experience of reality in every single moment, it comes out in different ways for each person, and each person will realize different things that they need to do, different things that they need to let go of. They'll realize all of their unnecessary resistances, all of the tension they've built up in their face and their jaw and their chest and their heart, and they'll see why they have done it, and they'll see that it may have been useful for some time, but they will also recognize that it is no longer necessary to be so close to ourselves in the world. It is no longer necessary to be afraid of being our true selves. And all this comes from the poop that they see in your paintings? Uh, yes, I, I don't understand how it works, but I know that it does. And until it doesn't, 
I'll keep on doing what I do. And that's why folks call me the fartist. Well, alright folks, you heard it here first. This is Meredith Von Steuben, more globally popularly known as the one, the only, Fartist. The Fartist. Uh, Meredith, thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you and know you. I would love to one day see your paintings for myself when I feel I am ready for the changes they will indubitably compel me to make in my life. But for right now, uh, I'm quite comfortable with my anguish and my pain and my struggle. And uh, I really don't want to change it right now because, uh, uh, you know, problems, uh, they're, you know, what I'm really trying to say is problems are hard and difficult, but they're my problems, you know, they're my friends. And, uh, We've kind of gotten used to each other over the years, and uh, they're my demons, uh, but, you know, they're my friends. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, well, uh, thank you again, Meredith. Y'all take care. Adios, muchachos. All right, that's, uh, oh, let me get rid of that thing. This is the end of episode eight of Leela Radio Podcast, The Fartist. Uh, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for listening. Uh, this has been John Miller. You can hear more at Leela Radio on my website, benjohnmiller.com, or you can find this and all past and future episodes on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Just search for Leela Radio or Ben John Miller. Thank y'all. Take care. Love your farts.